Uh, before I interrupted you, what were you saying? I don't know. You got you interrupted me so fast. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Um, I was gonna say, I don't know if you've been checking the Goodreads. Did you notice that I put all the questions on Goodreads? Um, I've been going in there, but I didn't, I didn't check the questions because. Okay. Well, well, um, our our boy, our boy answered the questions on Goodreads. Welcome to the Summer 16 Book Club. We're back for another episode discussing The Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler. And in our past weeks, we covered, or last week, we covered chapters one through seven. So get ready for discussion today, where we will cover chapters eight through 13. Before we do that, we want to remind you to stay engaged with the conversation. And you can do that by emailing us at summer16podcast at gmail.com. That's summer. 16podcast at gmail.com. You can reach us on our on our Instagram, which is summer16pod. And lastly, if you want to contact us on Goodreads, just log into Goodreads and search Summer 16 Book Club. So now we got that out the way. Um, last week, I want to give you a quick recap about what we talked about. So this is the beginning of the, of the book and our main protagonist, her name is Lauren Olamina and she had just turned 15 and the book opens up uh, uh, with her having a dream that she's flown through a house of fire. And Lauren has a family, she has, um, she has uh, four younger brothers and her father and her stepmother, they all live in this community. And her dad's a, a Baptist minister and she's having conflicts with you know, um, Christianity, because it's no longer her God, and but she still consents to being baptized at the beginning of the book. And the interesting thing is Lauren, she suffers from something called hyper empathy, where she feels other people's pain as it it was her own. So um, I mentioned that the, the neighborhood that she lives in with her family and there's other families within the neighborhood. Um, so outside the neighborhood, because the neighborhood is surrounded by high walls with glass on top and there's a big gate, um, things are getting more dire outside the neighborhood. People are being killed. There are people that are starving. There's packs of roaming dogs that attack people. So things are getting worse outside the neighborhood. Um, water is getting really expensive and no one drives vehicles. So everyone like just rides bikes. So in order to protect the neighborhood, her father takes people outside the the, the walls to kind of shoot um, or practice um, target practice. So Lauren in her, what seems like wisdom beyond her years, she realizes that things inside of her neighborhood are not gonna last that way forever. So she starts to make it this backup plan for to protect herself and her family in case the walls should fall to the people on the outside. And um, so that's what she's dealing with in the first seven chapters. And at the very end of that, of chapter seven, she decides um, or comes up with a new religion where she did, she calls it the earth seed, which basically reflects the way that plants can spread their seeds and grow anywhere 
um, even in, in, on an island in the middle of the ocean. So that's basically her new religion. And that's where we left off um, last week. Um, anything you wanna, else you want to add, John? No, I think you kind of set the stage for us. The truth of the matter is, you know, the first seven chapters really kind of painted the picture for us of kind of what the world looks like. You know, you described, um, you know, the community and everything like that. And in our discussion, we talked about, you know, what climate change looked like, the role of religion and kind of how hyper empathy affects her. Uh, and so, you know, we got some feedback, you know, from that first episode. So I wanted to share one of the responses from our Goodreads group um, as it pertained to the question or the role of religion as it takes place in this book, right? And this is from one of our friends on the Goodreads channel, friend of the show, Mr. Avery Brown. Um, so he writes, to the question of what is the role of religion in the novel, both the religion in which one is raised and the religion that one might discover or invent. He writes, religion is another huge topic in our world, and it has been since the Earth's inception. Seeing that Lauren's dad is a preacher brings an interesting perspective too. I believe Lauren's internal and external question of who is God and are we gods are so relevant to our context today. All of us have asked that question at some point. Also, Lauren may feel some type of extended pressure to perform to keep her dad's name as a preacher validated and, quotes, perfect in the sight of the people. It's going to be interesting seeing how she grows out of her shell even more and secures her own beliefs. Will she conform to what her father wants or will she deep or dive deeper into the concept of the universe and expanding her mind intellectually? Um, so I, I think that that's a, a really good point. One of this idea of performing and kind of showing a solidarity within the community because you don't really want to rock the boat, right? We saw how even when she was trying to open up to her friend, showing her these books and telling her that the community won't be safe forever, that that caused conflict, right? Uh, but then it's that internal struggle that she has to deal with as she's coming up with her new religion, Earthseed, and her own beliefs and being able to articulate that. Uh, it's definitely uh, in an in, in internal conflict that we're going to um, develop and have started to develop a little bit more uh, in these next uh, five chapters, eight through 13, that we worked on. Do you have any initial feedback um, for uh, that? In one, uh, shout out, shout out to Avery, because he's like, we call him our, like our biggest supporter. Big facts. Um, yeah, 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 shout yeah. out to Avery. Big facts. Um, I just, I mean, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, like, I don't know a person alive as, who at some point in time hasn't asked the question, like, who exactly is God? Like, mm -hmm. you know, depending on, you know, what your parents' religion was or is and, or whoever raised you and how you brought up, like you would be, you were taught to believe one thing, but I think everyone goes through this internal um, debate about like, what exactly is God? Who exactly is God? Um, yeah. But it's interesting seeing this question now and having read, you know, yeah, questions exactly. eight, through, eight through 13 because yeah, it I mean, changes. I mean, yeah, it changes a lot because we'll get into it um, in this discussion, but man. Uh, yeah. So yeah, let me, let's go ahead and jump right into the first question. Right. Uh, and again, we're, we're, we're pulling from the uh, conversation 
the University of Gettysburg uh, has a series of questions. We'll, we'll put the link in there if you guys want to see the rest of them. But uh, I think they're a great starting point for our conversation. And so the first question that we're going to look at today is, uh, describe uh, so as the stakes of the survival grow higher and higher for Lawrence community right over the past several chapters we were seeing more theft more fires what have you how could her father's relationship with the Baptist religion change based on the decisions that he has to make in the novel right and I think the example given is you know talking about the possibility of killing burglars right at the end of chapter seven we know that you know where he is now at, at the end of chapter 13 is presumed dead, but there's still that conflict with the religion. So how do you think that that has to change just in the name of survival for the, for the group? Um, I think I said this last week, but mm -hmm. there's this saying that God helped, God helps those who help themselves. Sure. Right. Like, yes, it's, you shouldn't just kill like just because, but right. I believe that there, there, there's a lot of murder in the Bible. There's a lot of killing in the Bible. If if you want to take the Bible at face value and, and believe that the parables in the Bible are are truth, then then there there's like David killed Goliath, uh -huh. and, and 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 David was God's chosen one. So like like I think God is okay with killing under certain circumstances, and um. I remember the conversation that that um, Lauren's mom and um, her stepmom had, uh, her dad and her stepmom had around like the idea of killing people who come in. Yeah. And it's interesting that 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 her dad was was warming warming up to the idea of possibly killing someone, and because like he's like, okay, if it comes down to you guys safety versus a burglar then this is something that he's going to have to do i want that smoke baby and we saw we saw towards the end of chapter or i think 12 or 13 toward that toward that part of the book we saw what happened when when, when the burglars got smarter and it's like let me set let me set this house on fire and while people are distracted let me go ahead and, and rob the other houses mm -hmm. and yes it's a distraction but look how people died in that fire yeah the and whole it, basically that whole family, whole family right yeah yeah, yeah. Except, except for the, for the one granted. son are the, was it the granddad? Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, yes, killing is wrong. Thou shall not kill. Mm -hmm. But when it comes down to it, her dad, even being a Baptist preacher, was like, listen, we got these guns for a reason. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so that's, that's an interesting point, right? You know, when I was going through it, when I first looked back at this question after reading, like I didn't like it because, you know, her dad is presumed dead right now. And I was like, come on, man, kind of like we, we, we looked at the questions before we started reading. And then I was like, damn, like he did. Like, what, do you, what kind of question is this? Um, but I feel like historically, the Bible can be used to justify just about anything, right? I also kind of picked up on that example um, when he was having that, uh, when the dad was having the argument with Corey, the, the stepmom, because she was like, you know, thou shalt not kill. That's in the Bible. And he actually already had like the bullet in the chamber talking about Nehemiah, you know, book four, uh, verse 14, which, you know, paraphrasing it is just saying, protect your families, you know, uh, you know, protect your sons, daughters and what have you, you mm -hmm. know. And, and, you know, defended by the Lord. 
And yeah. so it was like you can find scripture for anything. You can find a scripture for anything. And not to, you know, say that that discredits one versus the other, but it's like I think it's indicative of showing that he's kind of had to juggle and wrestle with these ideas and things as well. Um, but it's it's so important, right? Yeah. I also look at that in contrast to what we saw in chapters eight through 13 as it regarded dealing with uh, Keith, who was, you know, I think he was like 13, 14. He was like 13, 14. But long story short, he wasn't going. And he was like, man, I'm about to get out here in these streets, steal the gun. gun. Yep, steal the gun and go out there and get this money for my family and protect them. Um, And ends up dying. Right. Keep going. You got it. I'm saying before then, before he ends up dying, like, Keith and her dad got into it like a couple of times and he ended up like beating Keith like senseless, yeah. Senseless and bloody. Mm-hmm. And so like I'm thinking I'm reading that thinking, wait a minute. I know, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child, but I don't know you're supposed to beat your kids bloody. Almost to death, damn near. Yeah, right? yeah. And he and then Keith and Lauren had the conversation and he's like, Did he ever hit you? And she's like, Yeah, when he caught you called me fucking when I was 12. Mm-hmm. Um, beat the shit out of me. Beat the yep. shit out of me. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I think that her her dad being a preacher, like even with the instance we saw with the thought or the idea of killing someone, I yeah. think even with everything in his life, he tries to walk this fine line of like, you know, sure. this is what God want me to do. But, sure. you know, like this is the situation that they were living in now. And so like sure. I have to live in the real world as well. well I think that's not saying, interesting- not saying religion isn't the real world, but. Sure. No, but I think that's an interesting point that you bring up. Right. And it even kind of ties back to what Avery was saying uh, with, with the with the with the um, message that we read, where we were like looking at it from Lauren's perspective of as if she needed to move through the world with some image or some sort of thing. Right. But it's also the same pressure on the father. Right. Like as the the minister, the the pillar of the community, the one that's, you know, a vocal leader communicating and all that stuff. You have the one aspect of it as you know, he needs to have very strong control of his household because you can't even control your household. How are you expect to lead this community? Yep. Right. But he's not perfect. Right. He was beating the snot out of his children. Uh, I mean, one, I think I can understand it from a perspective of fear. Right. Like, you know, his daughter is having sex at a really young age. She can get pregnant. That's another mouth to feed in this super vulnerable place that's dangerous. And then his son is out here gallivanting, stealing the gun, taking the keys and losing the keys, which leaves the whole community endangered, right? Like coming from your leader, if that's how your household is run, who's this, like the the integrity of the entire place could fall apart. And it's it's a difficult um, thing to balance and juggle. Uh, and so it's, you know, you make mistakes, right? Uh, long story short, you make mistakes. But then as we see by the end of chapter 13, he just doesn't show up again. And yeah. now what do we and now what do we do? And right? It's not even like he was being careless. He was just coming home from work. Exactly. But that's the and that's kind of the 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 state of the world that we're in now, you know. And it was it was tough reading some of those chapters because they don't know that he's dead, right? You know, even in the in this with when it came to Keith, right? The police called, you go and identify the body and what have you. But he was 57 years old at the time and just doesn't show up again. And there's no body, there's no nothing to do it. So you have to presume that he's dead and then how does the community go on from that, right? It's rough. For sure is. Um, so like, quick question. If, sure. if 
say say it was your 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 brother or your dad, right? Okay. Would you would you rather would you rather because she, she brings this up? Would you rather like know have the finality, know that your 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 relative is dead, yeah. and know and also know that they did they got tortured? That's how they died. Or would you yeah? Or would you rather Presume be like ninety percent sure that they're dead, but have that ten percent like I don't know if they are. I think I would have, I would rather, I mean, in the state of the world that it looks like, I think I would rather just know, like the torturing part sucks in addition to the fact that they're dead and, you know, that it wasn't like an easy way out, but I yeah. think I'd, I'd rather know the finality of it, right? Because who's to say that he's not currently being tortured, right? You have all the what ifs in your mind of mm -hmm. what could be happening to the father, you know, you're, you're preparing yourself to live on without him and and you know, take what you learned, and then you know, try to find a way to maneuver forward. Um, that's not that's it's not easy, right? And even if they were to come back after X number of days, months, years, what have you, it's it's such an emotional roller coaster that you know you'd you'd rather mourn the loss instead of the what if of a loss. Yeah. In my opinion, right? What you, do you think? You start the healing process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what if that? I don't know. I don't know. But what if like? In the next five chapters, he comes back like, "Yeah, I got fucked up, but I'm still alive. I'm here. I mean, I got away." I think we're gonna we're gonna touch on this before we get out of here, like what we think could happen next. But I think that that could be really detrimental to Lauren. Oh, for sure. Yeah, um, he talks about that. Yeah, it's gonna, gonna get in the way of our plans a growth and trying to get away from the community. Exactly, and and so I think that's a perfect segue uh, to our next question. Yep. So I'll set the stage here. You know, Lauren's hyper empathy has given her a wiser, more insightful look into the Baptist religion as a whole, as well as into the birth of her own faith, Earthseed. However, how could Lauren's reoccurring dream, right, the one of her learning to fly and, you know, being engulfed by the fire, you know, darkness and then coming out in the stars, how does that dream connect to her transition from one faith to another? And how could that fire and the struggle to escape it be related not only to the faith, but also her struggle to survive as well? So that's a lot of that's a lot of question. Um, we can unpack that a little bit, but um, let's just start with, you know, the, the look at the religion and how that dream could kind of affect one faith to another. Um, I think that overall, like, I think it just starts out. Well, we know the books outside with her flying and 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 her questioning her her religion. So I think that her, like, I know personally, when I think about something a lot, mm -hmm. I dream about it. Of course. So, um, so for instance, she dreams, she thinks about religion a lot. She writes about it, that's mm -hmm. like, it like consumes her. Uh -huh. So she dreams about it, she dreams about that. And then there's also that drug. Um, it has a bunch of different names. It's pyro, it's, um, Whatever the drug that makes people want, yeah, 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 that makes yeah. people um, want to set fire to things and look and, at it, and it's like orgasmic. Yeah. So yeah, so that along with now I think this is the the second big fire within their community, at least, at least, the and then one. and then one where multiple people have died in. Mm -hmm. So it it's not it's not surprising to me that she would dream one about religion. And two about about fires, and like fires, I think fires are a, 
a good way of like starting things anew. So fires fires can scorch the earth, and then from that, new things can grow. For sure. So I think that we know that she's she has like this this resistance or this this denial of of conventional Christianity. Right. And so I think that in her dreams, the fire is her getting rid of those beliefs, like like piece by piece, like how how like water is like fluid, and then like water is is like can can be moved and and molded, but like shaped sh- shaped you could say the same way she talks about shaping god right exactly right the water itself you put water against a rock water mm-hmm. over time can can smooth that rock down mm-hmm. and i think that each event that happens each time somebody dies each time they're attacked um her father dying um amy dying um amy's mom leaving um her brother dying things like that um even the intruders who 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 try to rob them and then i think they got they killed two of them um, I think each event of though each event like that kind of wears down her religion. Like it's, it's something else of like, okay, this is another thing. And another okay. thing. Another okay. Thing. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold yeah. On. Cause you were losing me a little bit. Cause you started talking about water and I can, I can definitely see, you know, the significance of that, especially when you're talking about, you know, earth seed, water, the plant plants can grow kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for the context of where I was looking at it, it came from it came from like a, a different place right you know it's because we start talking about you know how her hyper empathy looks at baptism and how it kind of leads into her new found faith right yeah. um and so you know one of the things that i i start, looked at as a starting point was when she was giving the the sermon after her father went missing and she was talking about the parable of the inopportune uh or in, in, importunate widow what was the word the importunate widow you know what i'm talking about after yeah. her father went away she was talking yeah, she yeah. did the sermon or whatever and the moral of that the takeaway was that, that the weak can overcome the strong if they persist and persisting isn't always safe but it's necessary right it, it, it said that in the book right and then i yep. went back i went back to chapter one to reread the dream because i couldn't really remember it and it was fascinating to me because she talks about how she teaches herself to fly little by little but she's like persistent at it, right? And then she drifts towards this wall of fire. And typically when she gets in the fire, she wakes up from her dream. But at the beginning of the book, she didn't wake up. And then it was all darkness. And then from that darkness, she like reemerges, right? Kind of like you were talking about the rebirth from fire and she sees the stars. And then how all of that kind of came full circle to me was talking about like, you see it in little evidences like, the destiny of Earthseed is in the stars. And admittedly, I was super excited. And I read like the 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 bold print at the top of chapter 14. And it does mention something like Oh, so you read ahead. I didn't read ahead. It's not, it's not reading ahead, but it's like it was like mm-hmm. the, it was like right the top of chapter 14. Oh, and it okay. was talking about a phoenix or something. And I was like, yes, because like the phoenix, like it dies and then from the ashes it reemerges. But it's exactly kind of what you were talking about, too, right? Um, I think that all of that kind of comes full circle and the fact that, you know, how that kind of ties into her hyper empathy is just her ability to kind of like feel like the, the, ne- the, the necessity of that persistence and the love that she has for her community and the people um, can really is what likes motivating all of these thoughts and things to, to happen, right? What, what, did, what did you take away from that? I think, yeah, so... 
with her hyper empathy and she doesn't like she's very i guess uh bare when it comes to like her emotions like mm -hmm. her emotions are emotions she she talks about like oh at first i try to find the perfect words where am i not my religion do i um I need to be able to explain it to people so they can like grasp it. Right. And, and teach it to others too. And yeah. teach it to others. And then she's like, well, I wrote, I wrote these couple words and they seem very similar to these other couple words. And she's like, it doesn't matter. I don't care as long as the point gets across. So I think that with her hyper empathy, she's not worried about like, um, she's not worried about reaching people through, through her words sure. or the concept of, of Earthsea, like, but she, but she can actually feel those emotions when it comes to to people. So she tries, she she can connect with them on a um, emotional level, on an emotional level, right, right. Not right. so far for like a, a analytical level when it comes to putting down the words of her religion on paper. That's interesting because I, I think that that could be a, a challenge, you know. Cause it's great that she has hyper empathy, right? Cause she can feel Yeah, it. now everyone else has it. Exactly. But I could also see how it could be a strength because as she's communicating it to people, right? She can also kind of get a sense for if it's being received or not. Right. Like, I think that's another part of that hyper empathy is like, you know, if I'm having this conversation with you Tunde, and, you know, I feel you checking out or I feel you kind of like being like, what the fuck is he talking about? Like that would naturally kind of inform me to, OK, maybe I need to communicate this differently. Maybe I need to adjust. Maybe I'm not saying what I'm trying to communicate. And maybe that could ultimately be a strength in that regard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, for sure. But it all kind of it all kind of comes full circle um and you know we can kind of get to it when we talk about what's next but um you know i think the the dream has both literal and figurative uh significance because like even as you talked about now her dream about being in the fire and then something being born again or or, or coming through it's like that's exactly what's been happening to her community they're burning down houses, they're throwing firebombs over and starting fires and then robbing the neighbors and they're getting smarter and it's more dangerous, but um, it's only highlighting this need to to want something better, right? Uh, so yeah, um, any any last takeaways or any last thoughts on that? Um, I wonder how her hyper empathy, like she still hasn't told Curtis about it, right? Her, her boyfriend. Her boo thing. Yeah, she still hasn't told him about it. And she's like, and he's like, I want to marry you. And he's he's actually with the idea of like leaving as well. Mm -hmm. He's like, let's go north. Let's go Washington, uh, Oregon. Shit, let's go to Canada. Let's try it. Anywhere, yeah. So he's with it. So like, it seems like, like he would be receptive to it. Like the idea, one idea of her leaving, but she still hesitated to tell him about the, the hyper empathy. I mean, I can I can understand why she'd be hesitant, though. I mean, it's but, also a vulnerability. And yeah, but like she, we talked about in the first episode, right? Any vulnerability is a weakness, and that weakness can be exploited, and you know, you're not safe. So th that's true. But like, if she can't tell somebody that she's that she's thinking about learning to, yeah, marry, yeah. like, how can she lead a whole community out and keep that part of her, you know, secret? Uh -huh. You don't think you don't think they're different? You don't think being able to talk to your loved one versus being able to lead a group of people is different? I think it's irresponsible. 
for her to try right. to, to for her to try to lead an entire like, not an entire community, but try to lead people outside the wall to travel from California all the way to say Washington with, with the dangers to say that okay, I can I have a plan to take care of us. And then what what if like you see like uh, I don't know a, a a feral dog kill a kill a rabbit and you like you just like start falling out because like you're feeling the rabbit's pain. People are like yo, this is the person who's leading us. Okay, so so you're saying it's irresponsible not because of like how she feels, but like the effect that it could have on them. Like yes, yes, yes. Okay, well, uh, uh, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, and I think she's even discussed that kind of back and forth. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it may change in the book. It may change because it may change because yeah. like even when she went to look for her brother and I think her yeah. dad, she saw some things and then like oh, yeah, yeah, it yeah. didn't affect her as I thought the way I thought it was going to. Yeah. But okay, we've kind of we've kind of veered off yeah, yeah, yeah. track of that last question. But uh, our, our third question that we're going to cover today, um, as we continue to read the novel, we see piece by piece how there's different elements of impending slavery coming into play right into this into into some context. Yep. What types of slavery do you think that they're referring to? And do you think it's related to financial stability or race? And how could the new president set the country back 100 years? And that's referring to, I think his name is President Donner. Donner. Yeah. yeah, President Donner and, and what he's trying to do in the country. Want me to start with this one? Uh, you can. I have some okay. thoughts on it, but. Sure, can. sure. Well, here, I'll touch on the the um, the slavery piece, because uh, one of the interesting things is, uh, you know, one, I'll say that it's definitely as it's being told in the story, it's definitely more of a financial slavery or even as they've used the term debt slavery. Uh, and, and it was fascinating when I kind of started piecing things together because one of the things that like the president had spoken about was like no longer wanting to go to the moon, right? There's people that don't have food on earth. We're gonna focus on the problems here on earth, get people back right, and then worry about all that stuff later. And that's that was really interesting to me because he's basically, leading people and saying that your hope is now surviving here like there is no there is no safe haven elsewhere like you need to be here be present and this is where you're going to be stuck and as people and as the story has been told you're sitting there looking to your left looking to your right and there's very little hope and so it kind of sets the stage for how you have these companies coming in and they're selling you safety for your freedom they're selling you a, a, a roof over your head and the idea of safety, but you will never be able to leave and you're going to be working for these people until you die. And so, you know, you become indebted to these companies. You'll never be able to leave. But because you're so afraid of the safety and what could happen, that they, they're manipulating that fear. And there is no hope of a next great safe haven or somewhere else to go. And so I can see that being a huge thing that sets back um, everyone in and could just ruin everyone. So what do you think? I know you have thoughts as well. Yeah. So I think I think that it can be both. It, it could be it could be like a it could be like financial, financial energy, and, and race. Because you okay. think about it, the founding of this country, right? Yeah. The country when people first came over, the people who worked the land weren't 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 slaves, weren't like slaves as far as like black people were concerned or Africans. Right. They were they were indentured servants. That's they, true. They worked Big up their debt, right? And Big then yeah. eventually they're like, yeah, we could we could like have people pay off their debt, but 
these people are working for free. Why would we just yeah. use them? And then like, and yeah. if you haven't noticed, if you don't know by now, I, I believe Lauren, at least Lauren's dad, and I'm, I'm assuming Lauren and by this case, cause that's her dad, they're, they're black. Yeah, yep. Um. Yep. So, so he, so Lauren's dad is like, yeah, I have my reservations about this cause mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we're black and this could mm-hmm. easily go left. Um. Also peonage slavery, uh, something that, that also happened to black people in this country. Um, say, say that again. Peonage, peonage, peonage. Basically, it's like where black people were forced into labor um, to pay off debts. Basically, sure. put, put them sure. into slavery to pay off debts. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and that's also something that happened in this country. So mm-hmm. you talked about President Donner sending the country back 100 years. I can see easily that that happening on both levels. Like, yeah. Um, uh, this new show, this show that I watched called Handmaid's Tale. And, mm-hmm. and I bring this up for a reason because in, in, in the future, people on top, the president is like, no, nah, we like the way things were all the way back then. Let, yeah, let's let's yeah. go back to this. And, it, and it's also based on religion too, right? Season so, two just came out also. By the way. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I'm about to get, oh, season three. I'm about to get on it. Season three, okay. Yeah, so basically I had, I have no, like, no um, doubt that the country in this book or America in this book can easily go back to, 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 to having black people as slaves. So then what would you say, because one of the quotes that her dad had made um, when they were having the discussion about the community was that, you know, he felt like their community was too big, too poor, too black and too Hispanic to be of interest to any of the corporations, right? They weren't close to the shore. They didn't have like resources that would make them valuable. They would Mm -hmm. basically just as a result of their demographics, they would just be left to fend for their own or just left to die, right? Like they don't even get that choice. So it's, it's funny because there was the, there was the quote that Lauren had said where she would much rather, like she, she felt like Olivar was just as attractive. The security at Olivar was just as attractive as the security that Keith had in his urn, right? So I took that as slavery is death. Yep. But but exactly. then it's like, but then it's like her dad was like, you know, we're not of interest to anybody. They ain't checking for us. Like we don't even have the choice to be in slavery because we're so uh, we're of so little value. Yeah. Right. For now. For now, though. For now, so you think that that could change? That as, could change, yeah. As it expands because, and grows, because that other community, like I said, was on the shore, was on the shore, and then they had the technology to turn basically um, salt water into fresh water. Exactly. So that 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 community is valuable. Mm-hmm. So eventually, let's say you have enough communities that are valuable enough, and then white people say, you know what, we don't want to do any of the work right now. Why don't I just hey some niggas over there? Why not go get them, round them up, and have them do the work for us? Well, it wouldn't even be white people at this point. It'd just be the companies, right? Because it's, yeah. it's corporate. But, I mean, but at this point, I'm 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 pretty much assuming who's running the white the, the companies at this point. Sure. But yeah, no, that's that's interesting, man. So uh, I guess that kind of sets the stage um, for us to to hypothesize. Yep. Where do we think we go next? Right. We just finished the first section of the book, right? So we're starting the second section. We only have, you know, about half the book left. What what do you think is 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 next for us? I, I think within this next like um quarter of the the um our reading. So that's what mm-hmm. ch- uh, chapters eight, I mean um 
14 not, to 14 through 20 19 14, 14 through 19. to 19 yeah. i think the community is going to fall like okay. like people are just going to like burn the community and they're going to have to get out and i think only a few people are, are going to be able to get out with lauren mm -hmm. and those are people who are going to you know make it north i'm hoping it's at least one of our brothers or hoping all of them um her stepmom i whatever um and oh they're gonna have to survive out out in the wilderness i think that's what's gonna come up really soon man this is it's it's tough for me when i think about it um because it could go any which of the way right i think i i, I would agree with you that the civilization is gonna fall the town's gonna fall yeah um and it'll be just fascinating to see after you said it in the first episode that book of eli type uh existence that they're yep. in right she's going to be the most knowledgeable even though she's going to be one of the younger ones she's she's a vulnerable leader so how can others like step up to protect her right but also she's going to be easily one of the most competent also in terms of yep. her, her skill set and knowledge to keep people alive it's such a difficult situation to be in but um you know one of the things that assures me that it'll probably be more positive than good is because she keeps coming back to that idea that God is change. God is change. God is change. And every time she kind of says that to herself, she says, you know, I feel a little bit better because I'm accepting that that's what it is. And, you know, I think other people will find peace and solitude in that, even in the most desperate of times, but some shit finna pop off, bro. Is her dad yeah, dead? Sure. That's the last question. Is it dad? Is the dad dead? Uh, I think he is. Yeah, me too. Me too. And, it's and, sad, but I think he is. Yeah, and it goes to a quote um, early on in the book where she had said that uh, a, a tree cannot grow in its parent's shadow. Um, she says that in the first half, like the first section of our reading, a tree, yep. a tree can't go in her parent's shadow. I also make, think that means that a stepmom got to go, B. And her dad is no longer a shadow. He ain't there, but I think stepmama got to go too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We can talk about this off air, but I just want to ask you, do you think your parents have a a favorite child? That's a definitely an on-air worthy question. Okay, because like it kind of it, it hurt my heart when when her stepmom was like, Oh, like, and you, you just yeah. love your Lauren because like it's obvious that that, oh, that she bro. that Keith was her favorite, the brother that died, Facts. and Lauren was the dad's favorite. Facts. Facts. I mean, I would say yes. Not, not to say that they don't love both of us, but I think yeah. that parents have do, a favorite. Do you think each of your parents have a, a, a different favorite? Yeah, for sure. You're your sure. mom's favorite? I'm my mom's favorite. My brother's my dad's favorite. Yeah. I'm my mom's favorite, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's only two of y'all, though, like, at a spot. So, yeah, it's a lot of y'all, so, yeah. So y'all motherfuckers be like, oh, yeah, she, she has a rank order, for y'all, but, like, um, but, nah, I mean, that's what I think. But, yeah, no. Fortunately, whether I believe whether it's true or not, you know, I don't think either of my parents would say what her, Lauren's stepmom said to her, you know, yeah. just about how, you know, that, that reminds me of uh, Boys in the Hood. Yeah. When, when Ricky died, and she, and the mom's like, What did you do? Yeah. And she was beating on Doughboy. Oh, man. Oh, that, man. That's rough, bro. That's rough. But I mean, in those, in those heightened emotional states and, you know, that level of loss, like, yeah, it's, it's over, it's, me. It's, tough. it's over. Yeah. But, all right, man. Uh, you ready to get up out of here? I think we yeah. kind of went a little longer than we wanted yeah, to. Yeah, it's it's cool. Um, it's our show. We can do what we want. It's our show. We do what we want. I hope you guys like 
and enjoyed the conversation. Um, we're trying to keep the episodes a little shorter, but there's clearly this book has so much to talk about uh, and hopefully we're not flying through, but uh, we thank you guys for listening to another episode. Uh, if you have thoughts on our, uh, on our answers, you want to add to the conversation, don't hesitate to reach out via email. Uh, Tunde gave it to you at the top of the show, but that's summer16podcast at gmail.com, summer16podcast at gmail.com. And also we'll, we, we have the questions posted on our Instagram page and the discussion group is there in the Goodreads. So you can search it um, in Goodreads, Summer 16 Book Club. We'll make sure we put the links in the description. Um, and let's keep going, guys. Let's, let's keep engaging. Yeah. And so the next episode, we're going to be covering chapters 14 through 20 right As 19 or 19 yeah excuse me 19 no 14 through 19 uh and i imagine that it's going to be turned up but nonetheless uh keep rocking with up keep rocking with us and so until next time friends peace, peace.